This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Buckeye Talk is brought to you by ShopOhioState.com and the Ohio State University Barnes & Noble Bookstore, the finest place online and in person for all the best Ohio State apparel, and MinutemanTickets.com, all your ticket needs, a national selection with the local feel. Make our ticket guys your ticket guys. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Rutgers stinks, so we're not going too long on this. Tim Bielek, Bill Landis, Doug Maurice, your Ohio State coverage team from Cleveland.com. 52-3, to Ohio State beat Rutgers. We're not going to preview TCU a ton because that's what we're going to do on Wednesday. So we're going to get to your questions. You guys can read us at Cleveland.com slash OSU. Michael C. at Michael underscore E-N-I-O is Nick Bosa, the best player to play at Ohio State since Orlando Pace. I will also preface that by saying Albert Breer who was a guest on Takes by the Lake, the Browns podcast that I did this week, um, tweeted during the game that Nick Bosa is better at Ohio State than Joey Bosa ever was at Ohio State. So Nick Bosa is setting people on fire through the first two games. How do we try to put that in context? I don't know, man. I I think there's a little recency bias creeping in there. Joey Bosa was really good in 2014. He had 13 sacks. So I don't know. I think... I think it's too intricate of an argument to just like come out and say because Nick Bosa was good against Rutgers, and obviously he's been good against a lot of teams, that he's better than Joey or that he's the best player at Ohio State since Orlando Pace. He's really good. I just think that's a very difficult conversation to have that I'm not totally prepared to have right now. But he's been good throughout his career, and I do think he's noticeably better so far through two games, which is impressive. Yeah, I've, I... I mean, Bosa's looked like the guy who Adam Schefter said right after the draft when he spoke to separate NFL personnel heads, I believe, personnel people, I believe, and they both said Nick Bosa's a candidate to go number one. He looks like a number one overall player should look. Granted, I think he's got a little extra bonus that Joey didn't have in his final year and that Joey didn't have Chase Young on the other side to, to kind of keep protection honest. And I mean, Rutgers had a lot of one-on-one protection against Nick Bosa, and that led to Archer Sikowski being knocked out of the game in the second quarter because of a vicious sack that Nick Bosa laid on. It was one so loud you could really hear it from the press box. Bad name, vicious sack. (laughs) He he had a sack and three tackles for loss. I think that's a good point by Tim. Do you see our teams doubling him yet? Are they chipping? Are they helping? I don't see I don't see tackles getting helped by tight ends. I don't see backs staying in to block him. I don't see I mean it's such a spread era. You might have to put two tight ends on the field to well, block these guys. Rutgers did. Rutgers Rutgers ran a lot of two tight ends. I thought I thought Rutgers tried to do a little bit of what Iowa did to Ohio State last year, just wasn't anywhere near as effective. But they had a lot of unbalanced sets, a lot of two tight ends. I think they had three tight ends on the field sometimes. Now they weren't always keeping those guys in the block, but like they had they had the bodies there if they wanted to double team or chip Nick Bosa or Chase Young. And it didn't feel like that was a point of emphasis, and even when they tried to do it, it didn't really work. Should have been a point of emphasis. I, yeah. I expect, and yeah. that's the thing. That's by, by by Joey's junior year, 
And again, we had it was the famous GIF of him being triple teamed, but he was double teamed all the time. So I would yep. pull back the reins a little bit on this until we see teams adjust. I am sure Gary Patterson will have an adjustment for TCU next week. I'm sure James Franklin by week five will have an adjustment for Penn State because if you don't, you're dead. So, yep. so yes, Nick Bosa is beating. I think Nick Bosa would destroy any player, any offensive lineman in the country one-on-one. So someone's going to figure out, let's not do that. Um, next question. This is, um, should Rutgers disband its football team and uh, set its stadium on fire? That comes from at Doug LaMaurice. Um, <laughs> why, can't they, why can't they do anything functional? I think they shrink against yeah. Ohio State. They might go on. They're going to go on and like beat Maryland or Indiana or somebody this year. I was talking to the Rutgers guys. They think they have a chance to make a bowl. They have a crappy schedule. They play Kansas. They play Illinois. They have some easy wins out there. And every time, to me, when I look at a scoreboard the rest of the year and Rutgers is ahead, I'm going to say, how is that possible? They can't play functional football. But is it because they play their worst? Yes, of course, Ohio State's better. But Rutgers plays its worst against Ohio State. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's been proven cuz I was watching I watched a little bit of Rutgers against Texas State. Now, and Texas State might be the worst Division 1 team. Um, but I do think Chris Ash has added some more talent, especially on the offensive side, which has just been terrible for him the last few years. And the defense is actually pretty, like can be potentially pretty good too. Um, I just think I think you're right. I think they shrink when they play Ohio State. I fully expect them to win a couple games this year. They just they they don't have it, and and maybe it's mostly offensive line. They just they had no shot to block Ohio State today. But I like their quarterback. I think he can be really good. He's a true freshman. He's got good receivers. I like their running back Blackshear. Like there's things to like about them, just not when they're playing this team. And I think the thing they did at the end of the first half, where they let the quarterback Egregious. drop back and get that is a sign of their desperation because mm-hmm. it makes you do insane things. All right. I just wanted to make sure, as long as when it's game day, Ohio State, if there is are the word, if there are words coming out of my mouth for more than a minute, I want to make sure I take a shot at Rutgers because yep. they deserve it. Yep. Uh, Tim Bielek, there are a lot of questions from people about the punt returns. People are nervous. Chris Robb, who ends up returning more punts? Is it going to be C.J. Saunders or Demario McCall? Dave Murphy, 0-1-2-1. Why can't Ohio State field a punt? A field a punt. I hold my breath every time. Um, RG in Peoria, what is the issue fielding punts today? There are a lot. Does, why does Ohio State insist on trying to return punts? Clearly, we're per, we're cursed. That's from Joey Blackwell. How worried should people be? It was wet. Is this something that people should be worried about for next week, Tim? Um, sure. I mean, it, especially considering TCU is a quality opponent. I mean, they didn't start well against TCU, but they pulled against SMU on Friday night, but they pulled away. Kevontae Turpin had a crazy punt return touchdown. I think he's got the school record for special teams. Now there's the school who can return punts. That guy's good. Yeah. It's really weird how Ohio State has so many athletes and cannot, that for, I'm, I'm interrupting, interjecting for a second, but for a, a Urban Meyer's tenure, Ohio State's punt has been more of a weapon than its punt return, Ooh, which is insane. I read, that. I read that. Like Cam Johnston scared you, and they put guys back there that they're just like, please catch it, and then take a knee. So, But specifically, do you think C.J. Saunders and Demario McCall, what we know about them, are they guys that you should have questions about relying upon them? Or do you think, you know what, C.J. dropped one last week, Demario dropped one this week, stuff happens, they're good, it's okay. 
I think between them, you had to be able to find one guy. Now, I, I joked with Doug that C.J. Saunders seems to be really good at the play where he draws a kick-catch interference because that's two games in a row where he's done that, so maybe they should just do that and get a free 15 yards. Take it. But he also had a pretty nice punt return, a 20-yarder a where he showed some moves that I didn't know he had. He looked pretty nimble out there. And DeMario, um, I, the punt drop was obviously you know, a killer a little bit for him because I think we had high hopes for tomorrow coming into the season, especially you, Doug, that he was going to kind of light up special teams, especially since he wasn't involved. He's not involved in the offense much. So this was going to be the place for him to make his mark. So he needs to have the light come on for him. But you're, you're right. There's something weird about Urban Meyer and Ohio State punt returners. It, it just doesn't work out. You go back to Dontre Wilson and Jalen Marshall, and I'm trying to think who it was last year. Yeah, I remember Jalen Marshall had all those troubles but then when he caught it, he would do something with it. Yeah. But I remember that. I remember the one day he had the fumbles, and then the next week he was out in the snow catching punts by himself outside of practice. Yep. This has been an ongoing issue. It's very weird, especially for a head coach who emphasizes special teams so much. This is a part of the game where other teams are dangerous, and Ohio State is not. And you mentioned the name Dontre Wilson. Somebody tweeted at me today, is Demario McCall the next Dontre Wilson? Which is like, one thing is Dontre did stuff at the beginning, at least, that Demario hasn't had the chance to do yet. Demario, like Dontre Wilson was like really good as a freshman In 2013, yeah. uh, before he got hurt. And I think you have to remember that with Dontre Wilson. He did have that foot injury, and I think he was never the same. The one thing, though, this is what you do to a playmaker when you limit his opportunities. I think Demario McCall might be in his own head a little bit, thinking I'm not in it on the offense, so I've got to make the most of my opportunities, and then all of a sudden he drops a punt. So don't, don't give up on Demario. Doubt Demario at your own peril. Bill Landis at (laughs) Joe underscore OSU. Is there any part of this football team that would concern you going into next week? Yeah, uh, the linebackers still a little bit, and I thought they were much better today, and, and Tough Orland was out there again. I think that's a good sign. I thought in general, I said this to Greg Schiano. I said I thought the defense looked more organized, and he was like, well, we were never disorganized. And he, like, he took exception to that, which I guess is a good sign. Like They feel pretty good, I think, about where they are defensively, which is good going into that game. TCU's quarterback is a really good athlete. His name is Sean Robinson. He's pretty big, and he's, re- he's very mobile, um, and he's got good speed. And... Ohio State hasn't seen that. Oregon State has some mobile quarterbacks, but not like this. So I'm a little worried about young linebackers who have a couple games under their belt but still haven't played that much, like getting out of position a little bit against a quarterback who can beat you with his legs. Um, now, maybe the defensive line negates that with the pass rush that's been awesome and nearly unstoppable through these first two games. But uh, I have that in the back of my mind a little bit as something to watch moving forward because it's, I think it's a tough task for – Baron Browning and Pete Werner and Malik Harrison and Tough Borland next week with a quarterback who could run like that. The one thing that I think we haven't seen tested very much yet is linebackers and coverage. I'm curious about that. We know that was an issue with the two losses last year. Tim, is there anything else sticking out to you? Um, about, about, a, about a position of need? Um, just like anything to be worried about, any part of the team to be worried about going into the TCU game. I do. I am, I'm kind of with Bill. I'm kind of agreeing on the linebackers, so I won't say much more. Okay. Um, how many Heismans will Tate Martell win after <laughs> Dwayne Haskins goes to the NFL next year? Two or three? Ooh. That's from at Buckeye Brad, yeah. who we saw at the Hofbrauhaus House Live show the other day. Um, Bill Landis, not to answer that, but I'm, uh, whoever edits this podcast, try to put the Titanic theme behind this. <laughs> Talk about Tate coming in. 
to the podium and you getting to ask the first question and just what that moment was like. Yeah, so I was hoping to get the microphone to ask the last question to Ryan Day because I wanted to ask him about the offensive line play heading into next week. And then, like, I got the mic and Jerry was like, okay, Jerry, I mean, the SID was like, okay, Ryan Day's done. Here comes Tate Martell. And I was not prepared. It's like, uh, I'm trying to think, like, uh, like when the like when the hunky guy in high school like talks to the nerdy girl yeah. and she's like she's totally unexpecting it and then doesn't know what to say and then she like spills food all over herself like that was out there for me but I I thought I I composed myself well enough to get two questions out the tape I don't even know if they were good questions I don't even remember what I said but he answered them and I'm going to write about them but it was uh yeah I was I was taken aback by the presence of Tate at the podium. Do you, are you going to have a makeover and then you and Tate are going to go to prom together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tate's I'm going to take, like, take off my glasses and Tate's like, oh my God, you were beautiful the whole time. So Tate Martell, uh, we have to talk about Tate Martell a little bit. We talked about it in a video. Bill Landis is going to write about him. Um, I don't know. He's Tate Martell. We, like his, he's a famous headline name. People like to know about him. We, in our video, we said, what did we learn about him today? But but did you see things today that that – you know, the next step in this is that if Dwayne Haskins goes nuts this year, he will go to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Is Dwayne is is Tate Martell going to be a good starting quarterback at Ohio State if his time comes? Tim, like, you know, this is a tiny glimpse, but did it make you think, yeah, this guy's going to be good? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know I know I had concerns about his passing after the spring game. It clearly shows, you know, how far he kind of came. As a passer, it seems like now, again, I'm going to preface this. This was against Ohio State second-team defense, and a lot of those guys on the second team could start for Rutgers' first-team defense, I think. He was also working with second-team receivers. He was, he was again, at times, although he had that long touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin, which I I was surprised by just how perfect that was. That looked good ball. It was, like, almost as good as Haskins. I know McLaurin had to slow down a tiny bit, but I'm not going to knock him for that. I think think a good corner might have got that ball. Yeah, but I'm I, up there a little bit. what are you doing? He's not going to take you to prom if you keep saying that. stuff like that. No, it's called negging. <laughs> oh, take it or leave it. Like, yeah, <laughs> Chug, Chug got to play today. Chug's going to walk in the room and Landis is going to be like, "Hey, Chug, how was it being the third string quarterback? I'm the second string quarterback. Whatever, Tate. That's Landis. Um, yeah, I think Tate Martell looks good. I mean, like as as much as people are excited about the Dwayne Haskins version of this offense, the Tate Martell version of this offense would be awesome too. If if and, and it would, they'd have to shift back. It'd be. But back I don't think more. it'd be a total shift. Well, because I don't know. I don't like. Well, you, but, we're talking about Tate's size a little bit. Like I, they can't run him the same way they ran. Well, that's JT. the question. And I said I want. <laughs> I won't say what I said. The, He's he's magical as a runner, not to the Braxton Miller level. There are very few quarterbacks you'll see in college for the rest of your life who can do things with the ball in their hands like Braxton Miller can do. But I do think we've said before, Tate is somewhere in between Braxton and JT. He's a more dynamic, twisty runner than JT. But I think he's he's going to be good at the zone read, read part of it like JT really was. They're going to go back clearly to that kind of offense with throwing it. I mean, just like JT. Sure. They didn't run sure. JT like the wing T. I guess the difference would be maybe not not in the plays, but like what they like. I I know JT had like the eighty six yard touchdown run against Minnesota in his freshman year, but there were never times where JT got into the open field. And I was like, oh, he's got it, he's going to break it, and Tate Martell can do that. Uh, Nicky Unders, our guy. Is it just me or is Sean Wade better and more deserving of playing time than Jeffrey Okuda? I feel like he's made more of his limited opportunities. Also, why does Jason Wint continue continue to play? Wint got a got a series. For Isaiah Pryor, did they continue to rotate all day, or did he get one series early on? I don't, I don't know for sure. I that, stopped I, I watching. Thought, I thought they were rotating a little bit. Okay. I do know he. I do know Wint had a nice tackle on special teams. He had a. He, had a, he yeah. delivered a boom. Um, Bill Landis, you wrote 
pregame observations. Make sure everybody reads the pregame observations Saturday mornings, every game day. Landis breaking down some really interesting stuff that you'll you'll want to read to get prepped for the game. You led today with the idea about um, Sean Wade. He was in there in the nickel package. Mm-hmm. There is more coming for him. Yes, you assume maybe like so. Like I heard, I had heard something earlier in the week that that a possible move to safety was out there for him. And then Greg Schiano went on the radio and, and, and mentioned safety, like didn't flat out say that he was moving to safety, but just sort of talked about Sean Wade's versatility. And it ended with him playing, being the starting nickel today. Um, so I don't know, like I'm not, I'm not totally on the radar for Sean Wade starting safety against Penn State. Um, but I think that might be out there depending on how things go the next two weeks. I think you're just going to keep experimenting with that safety spot next to Jordan Fuller and kind of see what sticks. But Sean Wade is clearly in the mix now for, for something, whether that's, Expanding the corner rotation to four, keeping it at three, and he replaces somebody or him going to safety. I just think he's done a lot to impress uh, Greg Schiano specifically um, in the last few weeks to, to, to get to that spot. Good for Sean Wade. Yeah. I'm glad he's healthy and back getting a shot at that. Um, did anyone have a good look at the two Chase Young penalties? Because people are asking. I The first one, he sacked the guy. The ball came out, he recovered it, but they ruled that he was down. And yeah. then he threw the ball down, but I didn't think he's from – I only saw it on replay. I didn't think he spiked it in anger. I thought he threw it sort of away in celebration. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was kind of – like it wasn't a, like, like a Gronk spike. No. Um, I thought that was kind of weak. I didn't see the second one. Did you see the second one? I did not. I okay. didn't see the first one either because I was on my way down to the camera deck to film the halftime show. Nice halftime show. Look at Tim's video. It was the Blues Brothers and Aretha Franklin. They probably just should have done all Aretha. Yeah. Why do you have to like backdoor Aretha with the Blues Brothers? Like just just do the just just do Aretha. Just yeah. do Aretha. Like There's enough there. Yeah, she doesn't have enough songs for her to do the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. But it was good. But who are we to criticize? I mean, it's all we do. Right. It's criticize everything. Criticize right. pancakes. We can criticize a band choice. Um so I don't know. We'll look at it. The major thing is, what is the news? In case these people haven't heard, what is the news about Chase Young? He can play next week. He can no, play. Because I, I think there was general confusion in the press box. And maybe that there makes was. it sound dumb. Because like, if, if he would have got ejected for targeting in the second half, he would have to sit the first half next week. But it wasn't targeting. It wasn't really anything having to do with football at all. Um, and the word from Ohio State was that he can play next week. Are we really only at 17 minutes? We're yeah. zooming through, right? This is good. Yeah. Dan Dudley at DanDud77, curious to get your thoughts on looking back to the practice last year where Dwayne Haskins was, quote, showing off for the media at the WAC. Was he intentionally trying to make a statement? Was he disgruntled? What does it say about his level of confidence? I don't think he was disgruntled. I don't think it was an accident. I asked him that last year. What game? I think it must have been the Illinois game. No, it wasn't it after. It was after Oklahoma, but then he, whatever, the next time we talked to him here after a game, I said, Basically, did you know we were there? Did you do that on purpose? And he like kind of smiled and said no, and I didn't believe him. And it's fine. Like I'm not criticizing him because I think that's awesome. Like I don't think he's showing up, JT. Like I don't, I don't, I don't. I didn't look at it really that way. But I just thought it was a kid who was very confident in his abilities and has always been and has not been afraid to show that. So I can't. Again, I get confused sometimes. What I say on podcasts, what I say in videos, what I say randomly walking down the street. Um, I've said this multiple times. Last year, JT Barrett was arguably the greatest quarterback in Ohio State history and the second best quarterback on his own team simultaneously. Is there any... (laughs) 
like I just I don't know what is there any value? Do you guys do the listeners want us to like delve into like why wasn't Dwayne Haskins made a starter after Oklahoma? Like I don't know that it's worth. It didn't happen. We can't change the past. It wasn't, and it wasn't like Ohio State went seven and five. They were the fifth best team in the country. They had JT had a terrible day against Iowa. So the difference is they already lost the Oklahoma game. The difference is does Dwayne Haskins beat Iowa? And if Dwayne Haskins beats Iowa, then you're in the playoff. If everything else stays equal, but also does Dwayne Haskins lead the comeback against Penn State, or do you ever get down that much if Dwayne Haskins is the guy? So let me ask this question, and this I think is worth getting into, or maybe not. It's just all about how you ask things. My belief is that Dwayne Haskins would have been ready to be what he is right now last year. Do you guys think that he needed another year of seasoning, another year of practice, another year with Ryan Day? It's it's year two of Ryan Day instead of year one. Like, did, did he need this maturation process, and he's this good now because... He had two years to really learn. Or is this pretty much the Dwayne Haskins we would have seen if he had become Ohio State's starting quarterback week three last year? Like, the thing we don't know is how much of the playbook Dwayne knew last year at this point. So, without that, and this sort of like his grasp of the offense, which is obviously very important, and we don't have that bit of information. I'm sure he'll say that he's always felt like he's had a good grasp of it, but I thought Tate Martell was like very honest with when he's at the podium today, and he said, like last year, I had no idea what I was doing, and this year, I feel very confident. So, I'm going to assume that there was some of that at play with Dwayne. Now, that doesn't mean you're that way the entire season. Like, Dwayne could have had it down pretty well in the fifth week. Um, so... I'm leaving that out there just like as a as a reason to play JT because I think that matters. Um, but I think he mostly would have been Dwayne would have been what we see now last year had he played. Tim, I think about 85 percent to, to I think if he played after Oklahoma, he'd be at this 85 percent of this level. I mean, this level nine touchdowns in two games. Granted, Oregon State, Rutgers, both not very good. I think still nine touchdowns in two games. Um, 500 plus passing yards in those two games. You have to be like, obviously, Dwayne Haskins has to be extremely happy with I think where he is through two games. I don't know if that comes just from you know coming in after the Oklahoma game when he had never played before, and all of a sudden, hey, guess what? You're the starting quarterback. I think there were things he had to learn, getting some experience last season in mop-up duty. I think helped him. The Michigan game, I think, was invaluable to his experience getting in, not only in a game that matters, in a situation that matters. He wasn't coming in in mop-up duty for that game. He was coming in, because and they needed him to rally it back and win the game, and he did. And I don't know if Dwayne Haskins gets to this level without that particular experience. That's a good point. You don't know if Dwayne Haskins would be the Dwayne Haskins he is today if he hadn't played against Michigan? If he hadn't had that – the success he had against Michigan is affecting how confident he is this year. That's interesting. I think he could have thrown three picks against Michigan and it would be the same. I think that's the dude he is. Yep. I think he's immensely confident in himself and he should be. But I also think like he's seeing the field um, in a really good way and he just looks super mature and super ready. Uh, Joseph Sura, defense was much better today. Thoughts on why? Was it first game jitters against Oregon State, or did the safeties really improve with Jordan Fuller healthy? Bill, you were the defense guy. What's a quick take on that? Like all of the above, um, having Fuller back helped for sure. Uh, the linebackers were in better position, and Rutgers stinks. So it was it was a little bit of everything, but I don't I don't think it was just Rutgers stinks. I thought I think Jordan Fuller's presence was not- noticeable. Yes, and. 
it felt like they got some things figured out in terms of guys being in the right position who weren't last week. Joey Bosa, I Nick Bosa and Chase Young looking outstanding, I think, had a lot to do with that. I think he had a chance to touch on Sean Wade. I think he could be that interesting guy in the nickel where you can have him as like a corner safety hybrid. And it seems like that's what they wanted to do on third down. He played really well, got the pick that I thought he kind of deserved. I thought, you know, the corners had a good game. Um, it was just like, it seemed like everybody in that group played a little bit better. And I think that's where you want to be is like, you know, they had a bad game week one, got a little bit of week two. You want to be getting going up and up as you get to those big games. And I think they they needed to show something, some improvement going into TCU. I mean, the one thing last week is we talked about how everybody to defend against this, to offset this pass rush is going to scream, misdirection. Did they, did they do that? No, I thought that was poor planning by Rutgers. Do they know? And I like, did they watch the tape last week? I think there was like one reverse, but that was the one Damon Arnett snuffed out. And I had a really good tackle on that play. Yeah, I, I said in the video, if he doesn't make that tackle, that's like a 30-yard run. Yeah. And that's what Oregon State did so much last week. Should Rutgers bulldoze its stadium on Sunday, yes or no? No. they got to play somewhere. Can they? Can they? Here's, I was going to – how would you write this? Because I know like Rutgers' truck was out front. I tried to take a picture of the visiting equipment truck every day because I'm going to eventually – Get make a set of toys. Oh, that'd be good. When yeah. kids want that, yeah, not the rockers. Do, is it when, when I was a kid and when like my other people in my family were kids, like there was like a gas station truck, the Hess truck, the Hess truck. Is yeah. that like a again? We talk about Pennsylvania stuff sometimes, but there was like a gas station tractor trailer truck that like everybody got. I think if you sold a set of like here are the fourteen Big Ten equipment trucks, maybe it's already for sale. If not, Jim Delaney just wrote down a note. Yeah. Rucker's truck is terrible. Their front, their front cab didn't even have any decoration. It was like a random generic cab. And it just says the birthplace of college football with like a thing on it. Like the army truck last year was like the greatest thing I ever saw. Yeah. Oh, so truck is cool too. Here's what I was, I was going to, if I was going to write this in a way to take a shot at Rutgers in writing, I was trying to dance around with this. Like Rutgers may have given birth to college football, but like Ohio State adopted it and raised it. Or whatever. You know, like, I'm trying to, like, yeah, what's, yeah, the, yeah. what's the way, yeah. like, and I thought, like, a good thing would be, like, if you had a Scarlet Knight, like, giving birth to a football on the side of the truck, that would that would do something for me. Yeah. Like, I'm squeezing out the birth of college football. Oh, wee, college football, wee. That's a baby. <laughs> All right. Do we have anything else we need to say off this game? We're going to look ahead on Wednesday. Anything else off this game? Rucker stinks. Did I say that? Yeah. Um, two things I want to say. ShopOhioState.com. Love them. If your clothes got wet on Saturday, go buy new clothes. Buy just throw ones. those away. I don't even when you, when clothes get wet, you just throw them away. And you go to ShopOhioState.com online. Boop, bop, beep. But umbrellas, scarves, sweatshirts, hoodies, all kinds of stuff. ShopOhioState.com. That's the Ohio State University Barnes and Noble bookstore on High Street. Great quality stuff and our friends Minuteman tickets they have concerts theater tickets sports tickets out the wazoo national selection local price minutemantickets.com go to them for everything they won't just sell you the tickets and and make you wander the internet alone they will walk hand in hand with you to make sure you have great customer service. They're involved in the community in Ohio. You can feel good about your tickets, and you can feel good about working with them, MinutemanTickets.com. TCU is going to be a big week. I don't think it's going to be that big. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to say, am I going to sit here and say, Landis said 
take Rutgers plus the points? No, I'm not going to remind him of that. That's not the kind of person I Wait, am. Wasn't it, it was it was uh, sixty, wasn't it? Rutgers plus sixty. Yeah, I still would have said Otayo <laughs> minus. So I, I think the word is was is TCU plus ten at the moment. I would hammer that. I said I think if it's a bad game, Ohio State wins thirty-five seventeen. Like if stuff goes wrong. So if I'm yeah. nuts, I'm nuts. I think I think people are sleeping on this Ohio State team. I haven't watched a ton of other teams. I think it's very possible Ohio State's the best team in the country. And I I'll just there. I'll yeah. just leave that there. At the end well, of the Alabama podcast. has a quarterback now. So who? I don't, well, who's the quarterback? Who's the quarterback for Alabama? Tim? Not Jalen Hurts. I just like when you say the name because I still can't say it. Tua Tunga Bailoa. Um, Dwayne Haskins is better. Okay, I think Dwayne Haskins is going to win the Heisman. Ohio State's going to win the national championship. Anything else to talk about? No. Okay. See you in January. Did I say Rutgers is terrible? Yep. They should bulldoze the stadium, set mm-hmm. it on fire. Got it. Jersey Diners, love them. Yeah. Tim Bielik, Bill Landis, Doug Maurice. thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. We're going to have a bunch of new stuff up Sunday morning at cleveland.com slash OSU. Next week at TCU. Next week, the last game that Urban Meyer won't be on the sideline for Ohio State. Um, interesting team, interesting times. We'll talk to you later. That was Buckeye Talk.